This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Hey everyone, I'm Jessica from the Leaving the Village podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Kathleen, Nate, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions they came from, please feel free to hop onto the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episode of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking on the link in the top banner. See you there. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. It's another episode of the Thereafter Podcast. Megan, what's up? Um, uh, what's up? A mini-sode. A, a mini-episode. A, a mini-sode. Uh, we, we, you know, we have not really kept uh, the listeners in the loop <laughs> well, okay. over the last few weeks. We tried so, to, So, like, Megan, catch people up. Yeah, we were, we were like, maybe we should have that episode be like the wrap of season three. And then we didn't record because it was Memorial Day weekend. And then we just missed each other and we were like, Let's let's get back on and do twippets. Like let's just do that. And so we're we're just here. We're gonna keep going, and we're just maybe gonna have some mini episodes through the summer, and not as many guests, and just do kind of twippets. And and it's gonna be like a summer series, and it'll be a blast. Yeah, it's the in between time. This is the the mid season three, season four purgatory <laughs> episodes. I, I love that. Oh, let's, let's forget <laughs> it. No longer called summer series. It is now called <laughs> thereafter. Purgatory? Mid-season no, purgatory. Maybe that's not the... We'll, we'll, <laughs> mid, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, uh, how's it going, Cortland? Uh, it's going well. I'm, I'm, life is busy. Uh, work is wild. Um, and uh, yeah, lots, lots going on. It's a busy time. The end of elementary school 
year time. I mean, you you you've kids in elementary yeah. school. It's like there's all these things that are happening at like two in the afternoon. Like it, like I like they're like oh yeah you got to be there's like five there was like five different things that were happening in the middle of the day. So you have to like figure out how to like be like at all these different things and yeah graduation and we did this like park thing this like lunch thing. And it was great. It's wonderful. It's just, I feel like the end of the school year is like full of lots of things. Um, and then you're gearing up for summer and that's really busy and it's just a busy time. Yeah. I but feel that. I feel that for no sure. No complaints. Well, and I just, personally, like, I have a new job and it's a year round job. And so this is the first time I haven't been on an academic calendar. And so I'm not oh. like winding down but and it was kind of something I was afraid of and I had to remind myself like lots of people in the world have jobs like this but it, it was like in my interview for this job it, I work for a curriculum company um they I asked them about it and um every, almost everyone's former teachers and they were all like oh yeah we thought the same thing but we now have a job that we don't need a summer break from to be able to go back and do our job and, it, and it's true I I do feel like my baseline day to day is just so much more calm and relaxed. And that's amazing. So um, I'm yeah. happy. You're developing that new rhythm. Yeah, but it is. Yeah. I, it, I, love <laughs> that. I wish our listeners could see you like physically demonstrating a wave right now. Rhythm. Of a with, rhythm. <laughs> a rhythmic wave. I got to I got to give a shout out. Uh, I went to church on Sunday. What? <laughs> Yeah, I did. And it was a great sermon uh, by uh, a, a, a Twitter buddy um, who's no longer on Twitter. I would shout him out, but he's got a Twitter, but he's like no longer hasn't tweeted for months, I think. Um, Jasper, uh, Pastor Jasper. And uh, he's at a UMC church here in Denver called Belong. And I went and he gave a great sermon, but he talked about justice and he talked about rhythm. And so it's like, oh, nice. Right, right in line with there you go. The little dose of the word that I got this week. I, <laughs> warning, um, I guess <laughs> I'm so, I'm so proud of you. You're, you're more church than I have been in a f several months. But um, yeah, I got to meet an online friend this weekend. I don't even know if you know about this. I don't know. Um, Crystal Cheatham. Do you know who that is? Uh, that name sounds super familiar. Are you familiar with our Bible app? Yes. She's like the person behind our She's Bible the app. Person. She's and she oh, like no helped way. edit the deconstruction playbook that a bunch of our friends wrote for and. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's cool as fuck. We had a blast. That's I hung awesome. out with her and Aaron Green. You got to move to the Northwest, man. I know everything's happening out there. I gotta, I gotta, <clears throat> we need to figure out like teleportation or something so that I can just like, cause I, I, I'm, I can't move there. I would never survive. I like, it's been rainy here in Denver for like the last few days and still we've had like pockets of like blue sky. Um, but like, just like the, like several days of rain, I'm like, I, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I couldn't live there. I like no, the I rain. Do winters, I don't know. I like it. But I also, I have to tell you that, um, we went to a lesbian bar in Portland, which Ooh, was super fun. fun. And I, we just had this moment where we were talking about our periods. And I was like, this is what people think we do. And we're, do <laughs> we're doing the thing that people think we do is like queer folks, like coming out to the bar, like lesbian bar and talking about our periods. Um, but so I guess we perhaps fulfilled a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, I could list a bunch of other lesbian stereotypes and ask if you did those, but we won't go through that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure it was a wonderful lesbian time that you had. Uh, and it was great. I, uh, yeah, it just, it was great. Um, they, they warmly accepted me in to being a lesbian for the evening. Um, That's awesome. so I guess that. we should get into Twitbits. Let's do it. Twitbits. Let's talk about Ooh. it. Have you been watching Shiny Happy People, the Duggar documentary? I watched the first two episodes and a few minutes of the third episode. Uh, so I, I haven't watched the majority of the third or the fourth episode. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, and I've been watching like a lot of the different conversations that have been going on online. I haven't been super active online this last week, um, but. Uh, I've, I've, I've kind of kept, I've kind of kept up with what's going on, uh, in terms of, in terms of that, the IBLP yeah. survivors and all that sort of thing. Well, and I was surprised how, how rough it was for me. Like, cause I mean, I watched 19 kids and counting and I, you know, it, as a lot of people did and just kind of like, oh, wow, that's pretty extreme. And, and I, I think other folks like, you know, as you've seen the chatter, it's like, no, it's not just watching it from the outside. It's like there's a lot of people that watched it and, and grew up that way and saw things that a casual observer did not see, like why the kids were so compliant. Like they just knew and they just knew and it, it like chilled them and triggered them to see this. And and so seeing this behind the scenes, like I was just like, holy fuck like it went way deeper than I ever ever realized and so I was ignorant to a lot of this Bill Gothard how how deep it ran how much abuse there was and just how that strict adherence to the father of the household just created what they said in the documentary as like almost like mini cults within each household and just like an environment ripe for abuse. And I'm, yeah, I just, it was, I was blown away. Yeah. It's interesting for me because I grew up in a house that my dad, like, I think like had a lot of the theology of Bill Gothard and of, the fundamentalist kind of like independent fundamentalist type of of theology but but was like kind of like bad at executing i guess to some extent like like we were homeschooled um but we weren't very strictly monitored uh and you know both my parents worked full times uh, you know for a lot lot a lot of that period um, and so it's like, it's interesting cause it's like all stuff that I'm like familiar with, right. The umbrella diagram and the authority and the court, you know, uh, is it corporal punishment? Is that the mm -hmm. right word? Uh, the, you know, the physical punishment, uh, and spanking and, and, uh, you know, the, the idea of courtship and not being able to date and like all of this was like theologically I was like super aware of it. And I think fundamentally like my dad believed a lot of this stuff. My mom grew up a lot less fundamentalist in terms of like the way she grew up. Um, and so I think that her influence and also just the fact that like, like I said, like my parents weren't like super hands-on, like we were homeschooled, but we did video school and my parents were gone a lot of the time. So like we had all this space to kind of like develop ourselves um, and, and we had a lot of like opportunity to like, we weren't as isolated. I think, I think 
it's interesting because like that would have been like my dad's dream, I think, to like isolate us to that level and like do that level of uh, have that level of control and authority and et cetera. But like life just didn't like allow for it. Um, and so it's just interesting to be a person who like grew up super aware of all that stuff, but also not uh, impacted by it to the level that some folks were. Mm-hmm. Um and in terms of the actual application of those teachings. Um, but it's interesting how like those, those teachings, even when not uh, extreme, like, like I guess I'm the example of like, well, it doesn't have to be as an extreme, right? But it's like, they're still harmful, right? Like even the teachings when they're not super extremist, like executed at extreme levels are still like foundationally like dysfunctional. Well, and I think too, like a lot of dysfunction. Yeah, and I think that, like, one of the things I tweeted out is like, I think for every um, person that was kind of indoctrinated within this system, um, that's watching it, like, yep, this was my life, and yep, I understand, like, I get it. Um, There's also, I said, for every person like that, there's also an evangelical that's watching that's like, oh, I don't really have to like worry about this wasn't my teaching like this. I'm like, we're not like that, you know? And I do think there's an element of like, it touches on so many things. It touches on purity culture. And like, even, I mean, we've seen the damage of that, even when it's not like, okay, wait till you, you're married to kiss. Even when it's not that extreme, like there's still so much damage that happens from purity culture. And, and I think, it also, I think there's something to be said about the way that TLC sensationalized their life and like also, you know, created contracts with um, Jim Bob that were just so outrageous when it comes to like how the children were not paid and like how, you know, people had to deliver babies with like with camera crews there without consent. Like, you know, and I just like there's so many different places to go. But I I also just have to say that as somebody who has been an educator my whole life and as a parent, the part that was so hard to watch was like when they were talking about blanket training kids as little as six months old and six months old and like just really teaching them like I, I don't know if you saw that part yet, but like I did see that part, but I didn't really understand what that was. What what is that? Well, essentially, I, I the heard idea people say it's is like very like, triggering. So, I guess trigger warning on this whole thing. Yeah, we should have but, said that at the top. Um, but I feel like as soon as we said shiny happy people, you said shiny happy people. Yeah. That's like a blanket, uh, no pun intended, uh, blanket warning. Uh, yeah, no, yes. I blanket I training. Which is it's so essentially, and and this was something somebody else had talked to me about. They would take babies as little as six months old, put toys just out of their reach off the blanket so that when they would start to go to the toy, they would slap their hand away to show them, you know, how to be still and how to stay in the space. And and they talked about like throughout, like they would have their time, like Michelle Duggar would be like, oh, yeah, we would all just be like, let's have our blanket training now and like get the wiggles out. And I just think about like the contrast of my first grade classroom. And I'm not saying like, oh, I was just this innovative, like whatever, but to think about all the different neurodivergence and, and kids that learn differently and kids that move in the world differently. And like we had flexible seating and we had different, you know, ways that they like, if they couldn't sit on the carpet, they could sit in a scoop chair and they could sit on a a yoga ball and they, and they could sit at a high, you know, standing desk or they could sit on their own or, and I just like think about the contrast of like, no, as adults, 
we're going to decide exactly how you need to be and what's best for you. And, and that looks like one mold of one kind of person. Um, and that's this very specific obedient person versus like, no, we're going to let you grow into like a fully developed autonomous human. Like I just like that contrast was so vivid to me in that, and especially that section of that episode. Like I was just like, Oh man, this is just, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a tweet of, of yours that, that had the word obedience and I almost tweeted something and then didn't, um, about like, I, I think obedience in general is like, just like a, like a completely like worthless virtue. <laughs> like I, like I really don't, I, I like, I, I don't see any real value in teaching obedience. Like, and it's I, like, instant obedience that they're looking for. Not just obedience, yeah. instant obedience. And I get that that word is like, like, you know, nuanced or complex or, you know, if I, you know, honor somebody's wishes, it could be considered obedience maybe. Um, but like, I feel like there's a, a, a functional difference between like um, listening or, you know, like, I'm very careful with like, even with Zeke, like, uh, my parents, I remember used to say a lot, like, you're not listening, you're not listening, you know? And like, like defining like what the difference is between listening and doing what I say. Right. Because like, mm -hmm. if you're listening, I want you to be listening to me and actively engaging and asking questions and verifying and like drawing conclusions and like communicating. But like listening is a like interactive, a two way interaction right and so it's not obedience is not listening obedience is just like automatron it's like it's like just like doing like being a robot which is like very unhelpful like there's just no aspect of life that i can see where it's like teaching someone to i almost said blindly let me think of a different word here uh to just like without question without yeah. uh, uh critical thinking follow directions and unless you're getting into a situation where, you know, you hear people oftentimes bring up examples of like, if you're, you know, a, a firefighter and you're in a battle, you know, fighting a fire and you got to listen to your commander. Sure. Like, but there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of agreements that have happened outside of that situation that says, hey, in this situation, I'm trusting you to tell me what to do. And, and there's consent involved. I've consented to the situation that I'm getting into and who I'm putting my trust in to listen to. That's not the situation you have with a kid who is just told, you just have to do what I say, which again, I don't think teaches any beneficial life skill. Yeah. I'll, I'll say over. this like yesterday I was making dinner and I, I had my oldest daughter was in the house and my youngest was at the neighbors and I was like, Hey, dinner's going to be ready in like a minute. Can you go grab your sister? And she went outside and then she just came running back in and was like, they're having a water balloon fight. <laughs> Can we do that first? And, and like, they were in it, they were in. And so I like, I was, I had like taco meat on the oven and I turned it down to low and I was like, go have the water balloon fight. Like that is very important. And, and then they like came back in drenched and laughing and we had our tacos and it was just like, I was, I actually had prior been watching the documentary while I was making dinner. And so I just kept thinking about like, there's no room for kids to be kids and have those moments of like, 
can I actually push back on dinner time for a second? Because there's this like other thing and it's maybe not even that important, but it sounds really fun. And it's a moment that I don't want to miss of like fun with neighbors. And, and it's going to take like five minutes and then we'll be there for dinner. And it's like, it, it's, I think there's this mentality that if you listen to your kids and you, and you change the thing that you said and have flexibility that they're going to grow up thinking that like they can get whatever they want or they're spoiled. And there's like no room for flexibility in that at all. And I just, I hate that whole mentality. And, and I just want to say one more thing. Cause, um, I remember when my, when my oldest was very little, she was like two or three and we were driving in the car on the highway and she looked over and she was like, Hey mom, there's a car next to us and they have their windows down and I thought you weren't supposed to, you weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. Like when you ask to put the windows down on the highway, I just say no, cause it's super windy and because it would like fill the car and be really breezy. And she took that in as like a rule. Right. And so she just assumed like that was kind of a law that like, you just can't have your windows down on the highway. And I just think about like parents flippantly use their authority in like a way and like kids, kids no, like parents are like, you know, the power of the authority and they, they listen, but that's, that's like a responsibility that you have, that you have to take very seriously because for, for my daughter, it was like something as silly as like leaving the car window down or whatever. And she was like, Oh, I thought that was a rule. So I just kind of followed it. But when it, when that goes into, it goes deep into like, no, you can't move off of this blanket. That's a rule. I'm your parent. I'm the authority. And you have to sit there and you have to be still. That is so wildly different. And I feel like there are parents, even that aren't the fundamentalist parents that don't take that authority seriously. And they, they are, you know, on the couch, go get me this because I asked you to, and because I want you to, and because you're my kid and you have to do it. And I, I hate that. I hate seeing it. I hate hearing about it. And I just, I can't be that kind of parent. Well, and the documentary really highlights how it, it just really conditions people to be victims yes. of abuse, right? Yes. I mean, you're teaching yep. people to not listen to their intuition, to, uh, again, trust without questioning or not think critically about uh, uh, what you're being told to do or what is happening to you. Um, I think even in, in an example that is like way outside the pocket, very different, uh, I, I mentioned I went to church. I went to church. It's Pride Month. This church was had a bunch of stickers that they were uh, handing out uh, with their, you know, logo and things on them that said protect trans kids and, you know, drag is not a crime and various other pride uh, slogans. And I brought a bunch of them home and gave them to Zeke. And I was like, hey, I got all these stickers at church. And he goes, no, you didn't. This one says protect trans kids on it. You didn't get this at church. You know, because in his mind, like, oh, a church, like, wouldn't be protecting trans kids a, a, a church like his whole experience of church has been his grandparents and homophobia and you know various you know <laughs> really bad representations and so like even him being able to go like this doesn't make sense to me like why would a church say this um and push back and like begin to like renegotiate his understanding of like what a church is or what authority is right uh, and so like you know, being like, we don't do what, you know, we don't do what teachers say. Some teachers 
are going to say things to do that you shouldn't do, maybe. Like, like you might find yourself in situations where you're being asked to do something that you don't feel comfortable or is unethical or doesn't feel right for you. And so, like, just because somebody is an authority figure doesn't mean that you don't have the space to negotiate and think critically. And when we take that away, we 100% set people up to get themselves into abusive situations. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild to watch. And I also, I also saw some interesting, you know, feedback about like, you know, the good things that come from these documentaries and these stories that are highlighting victims, but also some pushback as to like, well, what, <laughs> We can all just kind of watch in horror, um, but like, what, what, what else needs to happen to address these situations? Um, because you know, there was just this big, you know, Carl Lentz thing that was on Hulu. I, I, I'm relatively, you know, sure he's still working at a new church. Hillsong's I, still going. I you know, haven't like, watched the new Hillsong documentary, but I will say I that there's, there's a lot of folks that are contrasting the two and saying that this this Duggar documentary does a much better job of really like elevating the stories of the victims and the survivors. And the Hillsong documentary, like, kind of still celebrates Carl Lentz and and you know things like that. And so I think they do dig into some of the stuff, but they don't maybe do it in the same with the same maybe ethical framework that um whoever the creators of the this um shiny happy people were using and and so i think the exposure is really good and i think um helping people understand um why those systems are bad is good and i also think it questions the whole the whole concept of how reality tv is done too if to be honest yeah yeah which is a whole other outside of the abuse of church and like the conversations we have often about that, the, uh, the abuse that happens within the reality TV industry. Uh, I made a TikTok not too long ago, stitching with somebody who was like, Oh, all these people in love is blind is are coming out and saying, you know, they were, you know, kept up late hours and they were fed lots of alcohol and they, you know, were not allowed to like, you know, uh, you know, do things to take care of themselves. And it was an abusive environment. And I, I just said like, how is this news to anyone? Like we've known that reality TV and like that whole media complex that is the reality TV industry uh, is oftentimes very, you know, toxic and abusive. And, you know, uh, I think we need to think critically, you know, I, I'm the, it's like pot calling a kettle black or whatever. Like I consume a lot of reality TV. So uh, I'm speaking to myself here, but think critically about like mm -hmm. how we engage with this media you know, and, and what we're actually doing to address some of the systemic problems, uh, that, that exist within not just churches, but other systems of, you know, abuse. A thousand percent. Um, I, I asked, I also want to, um, bring up something else before we wrap, cause I know this is a shorter mini episode, but, um, I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, there was an episode uh, a few episodes ago of Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, where Tori Williams Douglas and Justin Gentry were kind of talking about this whole concept that a lot of folks leaving evangelicalism are able to do it because especially folks that were there for the community, 
and um, are able to find community in other ways. And I think that's something that like, I, I wanted to bring this up because it's something that we try to do on thereafter is like build community and connect people and, and have this like amazing space, create spaces for people to connect and grow and flourish. And, um, and I think that's amazing. But what I also see is I see a lot of folks that are unhoused, are financially in insecure, are experiencing difficulty, are trying to get um, transgender care, are trying like all these different aspects of things that I feel like when I'm starting to see these patterns, things that um, struggles that when you're part of a quote unquote church community, um, there are certain like financial things and like connections and networks that you have where people are like, oh, you can stay with me for, you know, a couple months while you get on your feet or, oh, we can bring you meals for, you know, and it's somehow within those systems, they have the organization and the structure that allows like that to just happen really easily. And I feel like that's something that's missing in this deconstruction space where we're like, we have this great community and we're there for each other and we support each other and we can talk and listen and connect. But then when it comes to like, there are people that have needs that need meeting and, and like, there's, it's really difficult to, to find that in spaces that aren't as organized and structured. And don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating for like to, to, to organize a greater structure and a system for deconstruction, but I'm just curious like what your thoughts are on, on how people should navigate that and like what can folks like us do that want to be really intentional about community to support people that are struggling? Because I've, I've even like Zoomed and texted with a couple people in the last couple weeks that are looking for jobs, looking for housing, looking to relocate and just like floundering because they don't have this network that they used to have when they were in like full-time ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, societally, you know, you see a lot of people talking about like the, the disappearance of third spaces um, and, you know, being, you know, churches and clubs and, you know, uh, fraternal communities and, you know, these different things you think about like, you know, the groups and organizations, uh, whether it be, you know, the uh, Elks or the Masons or the Optimists or the these various different community organizations where people would get together uh, and do community-oriented things, churches uh, being one of those primary third spaces for people where they had a network of people that was outside of their, you know, uh, uh, platonic, uh, or, uh, is that the word platonic? They're, they're like live living together family. Um, and nuclear family people, nuclear family, you know, yeah. like, like the people outside of their household and there was this third space, right? Like, and you know, for some people it was, you know, bars or clubs or, or various places. Um, but we don't have a lot of third spaces anymore. We don't have a lot of places that people can go and exist. Uh, I think it's, you know, largely I hear a lot of critique that it's a capitalism problem, right? Like in many ways, like you don't have spaces that are community funded and that create third space for people to go and connect and gather. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I don't know what the answer is because I, you know, as a person coming outside of church, I, I you know, I, I'm a little resistant to, to get super involved in any type of, you know, organized religious community. Yeah. And also even some of the organized non-religious communities can sometimes have bad 
you know, power structures and systems that can become dysfunctional and unhealthy. So uh, I don't I don't know what the answer is other than realizing that like we are all in this together um, and that we need to be thinking we need to th be thinking locally about how we can engage with the people around us in our communities. Maybe it's in our neighborhoods, maybe it's in our, uh, you know, smaller geographical areas, or maybe it's through other things, you know, like, uh, I know that, you know, there are, you know, scouting troops and dance studios and various places where they've created communities of people around, you know, something that brings people together. I think one of the, one of the hard things is that, uh, church created this kind of like default camaraderie, right? That I think we, I still struggle to identify like how we can do that uh, in a similar way without the dysfunction that came from church. Right. That's all to say, I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think you're, well, you're in, right on. And in church spaces, you often had like a mechanic or a lawyer or, you know, different people that in different industries that it's like, oh, I can help you with uh, using my particular set of skills and, you know, like within your church kind of community. And so I, I agree with you, Cortland. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily have answers, but I will say like, I see it as, as becoming, you know, more and more prevalent. And I just would love our listeners, A, to like, let us know if you have ideas and B, um, we share out sometimes, um, I, you know, different, different needs for aid and things like that. And, and we don't do that lightly. We don't just like, cause people tag me and stuff all the time for, and I, and I vet them and I, and I don't just share, you know, Oh, randomly like, Oh, Hey, um, cause there's a lot of scammers out there, but I, I do share from people I know and people that are part of our community. And so I just want to kind of give people encouragement. Like if you feel a little bit, and, I, and this isn't like, you know, we're not taking up an offering, we're not going to ask you, but I just, I do want to kind of give a little boost to like, if you have a little extra and are able to help somebody out, like, you know, send that, you know, 10 bucks on Venmo or, or whatever. And that can really go a long way for some of these folks that that have lost their community and that are in these spaces. And when we're online, it's so great for connection. But like when we don't have that proximity, it's so much harder to fill tangible, meet tangible needs. And so um, I just wanted to bring that up as a discussion point because I think it might be something ongoing that we talk about, you know? Yeah. I think looking around, you know, like when you have those moments, right? There are moments where I have oh, man, there's extra 30 bucks in my Venmo that, you know, somebody paid me for lunch and I forgot about or whatever. And, like, I know I have that and it's extra. And, like, like if you look around, like, in I'm in several Discord servers that have spaces for mutual aid. There are places like what Tori Douglas, uh, Tori Williams Douglas does every Friday. She does yes. uh, Reparations Friday um, where she's often fundraising or giving space for people to post uh, opportunities for mutual aid, like be thoughtful of like, okay, Hey, I've got, when I have this extra resource, um, you know, look around to people who are helping to facilitate some of those conversations because there often is something relatively easy to be able to find that you can support. And 
I also think just like like if we can really view our parasocial relationships as more and more real and really invest in them in real more real ways uh we say all the time like online friends are real friends like there's so many people who we've connected with uh that have become really dear close friends of ours through the podcast through meetups through various things that we have done um that it takes some intentionality to invest time into those relationships but if you view those if you kind of like approach those relationships with an intentionality to like build and connect people um i believe it can happen organically um maybe that's not the ultimate solution and obviously we're still living under capitalism and there's a lot of things that work against us being able to you know really coexist in this really magical way that I dream of us being able to share resources and take care of each other. Um, but just, just being aware and looking around and encouraging each other to, to be aware and looking around and, and then also to realize like we can share needs and talk about things that, uh, uh, might need people to join in without shame and yes. putting guilt on other people, right? Like bringing up a need doesn't have to, like we're not, ask, like no one's asking for you to give, you know, I think of the old, you know, pastor giving the, you know, we'll give till it hurts. No one's at, no one wants that. You shouldn't be giving till it hurts. Like you should be giving when you can give. Um, but if we all, when we could give, like we're intentional about finding space to do that, I think that we would, we would create, um, at least a little bit of a change. And I was going to say the same thing because I think in the same, the same vein of like saying, Hey, let's, you know, be thoughtful when we see that stuff. And if we're able to give, I think it's like, we should also say, Hey, and if there's a need that you have and you feel like there's somebody in this community that could connect or that we could help promote that need, um, let us know, you know, and if, if you have thoughts or ideas on how to kind of like help connect people with, with, aid, then let us know that too. Um, but that was just kind of a starter for, I think a larger, broader discussion that I would love to continue to have, um, you know, maybe on Twitter, maybe on the pod, maybe in Twitter spaces. So, yeah, yeah, that could be a lot of fun. I would enjoy that. Well, we've reached the end. We've reached the end. It's just a little quick bite today. Just, just a quick bite of the thereafter podcast. (laughs) Summer Purgatory series. I, I don't <laughs> we're know if work, that's... Yeah, we're gonna, this, yeah, we'll workshop the title. <laughs> uh, and I know that we're putting on the front end of this episode an ad, uh, our Dauntless ad that runs at the front of this uh, about the Discord server. Um, we obviously have our Discord server uh, that uh, is for our patrons. Um, and if you're wanting to join uh, this summer as we are doing these little mini episodes... And uh, we are, you know, kind of like taking a little bit of a lull uh, or a downbeat um, as we prepare for season four and bringing more guests to the show. Uh, we'll probably do and be doing more stuff in the Discord, um, but also the Dauntless server is open to anyone who wants to join that. Um, and that's a great space to connect with folks as well. I know if you haven't been on Discord, it can be a little bit overwhelming and a little bit of a, a learning curve. Um, but it is a, an amazing tool for 
creating community, having conversations, and just being able to maybe connect in a little bit different, more more intimate way than sometimes we can on Twitter, Instagram, or some other social media. Yeah, and um, speaking of community, because Nate that runs that server does a great job fostering community. We were having a discussion in there about shiny happy people just today, and he was like, and also here are some therapy resources that you might want just while we're having this discussion. And so um, that's like, it's a, it's a great place if you want to land. Um, and while we wrap, where can, where can people find us, Portland? Yeah. So you can find the show, uh, thereafterpod.com takes you a list of links where you can find all of our things, uh, and, uh, thereafterpod on, uh, Instagram or on Twitter and thereafterpodcast, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and I'm Cortland Coffee all over the internet. So, uh, you can find me of all the places, primarily on Twitter and Instagram these days, but all the social medias at Cortland Coffee. Megan, where can people find you? I'm the Pursuing Life on all the places, and um, I have occasionally dropped that I'm. I have, you know, when I when you want to hear my educator rants, the Pursuing Mind, my my whole um, franchise, maybe. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I don't make money on. But <laughs> the spinoff. The yeah. Spinoffs. Um, but this has been a good time and just say hello on the internet. We love hearing from our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to hang out this summer as we're, uh, just doing these and hanging out some Tuesday morning, pop onto Twitter and join our space. It's a great way to connect. And, uh, until next week, uh, we hope you all, uh, hang in there and come back and check it out next week. Till next time. <laughs>